Welcome to the Universal Laws with Christy Sturdivant, where we discuss energy in relation to the universal laws, human design, ancient mythology, and whatever else is going on in my life energetically. I'm your host, Christy Sturdivant, and you can find full show notes at www.christysturdivant.com. Thanks for joining me, and let's dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. If you're a new listener, thank you so much for joining me today. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. I really, really appreciate you joining me again. Today, I want to dive into human design for a bit. I'm finding that in my life, whenever I am kind of feeling a little lost or a little overwhelmed, when I jump back into my human design or my gene keys, I tend to feel a little bit more grounded, just being self-aware and aware of what my family's energy is doing is very comforting to me because I always glean some new aspect of it. And this season, uh, Sagittarius season and in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere, we're all getting ready for the holiday season. But in the Northern Hemisphere, we're kind of getting into that very, very chilly part of the year where you kind of just want to find your own special place in your home and cozy up and do some reflection, do some um, sitting around and looking inward. And I thought this would be a perfect time to talk about environments in human design. So if you have never heard of that aspect of human design, your environment or ideal environment for your energy is in your variables, which are the four arrows that are at the top of your chart by your crown and Ajna and head center. And the arrows can point either to the right or to the left. And your bottom left arrow determines what your ideal environment type is for your energy, where you excel, where you feel most comfortable, where you are in your sweet spot, so to say. And this has been one of those things that I have, I have looked around a lot for information about the variables. And honestly, it's a little bit spotty. I have known my personal environmental type for a couple of years. I found it at the geneticmatrix.com website where you can input your information and it will go into very great detail for your human design. But unless you are a subscribing member, you can only do it for one person. And I'm, I don't subscribe right now because I don't do any coaching and I don't really feel the need to do a subscription just to dive into myself even further than I already have. If I was ever to start coaching on human design, I would definitely invest in that. And it's something that I have considered many, many times, but it just doesn't, hasn't quite hit the right moment for me. So I have known my ideal environment for a couple of years, but recently I came across the 
website, humandesignblueprint.com. And I found that because I heard it on some other podcast, Manifestation Babe, I believe. And I decided to get a blueprint for my entire family, as well as a couple of friends for Christmas gifts. And it seems ridiculous to buy a blueprint for people that you have already dived or dove deep into their human design. Because I know a lot of the aspects of my family's human design, but to have it pulled together in this clear, concise manner was quite nice, just so that I could print it off and bind it and refer back whenever you know, I needed to look at why is this happening or what would be a great way to solve this. That's another story. Anyway, when I went to Human Design Blueprint and input my family's information and my friend's information, they run your chart for you, but they also dive into the four variables. They don't dive into the four variables. They just tell you what your variables are in reference to digestion and cognition and environment and view and motivation, which I think was really, really helpful because, again, most human design charts or websites don't really do this. I'm not even actually exactly sure how one determines what your variables are. I'm not, I'm not even sure where that's at in your human design chart because I just, I haven't been able to locate it. It's either, yes, this is your environment. No, this is in your environment, but I'm not sure if it's calculated by your date or your time or whatnot. But I also really don't care because now I have the information, which is all I really wanted anyway. So I got all of their charts and their determinations and environments and all that good stuff from humandesignblueprint.com and that was fantastic for me. And so today I want to talk about how I am going to approach this whole idea of environments in my one single household because, you know, we all have different ideal environment types, all four members of my family. And so it's going to be really interesting as I move forward and kind of observe. But I do have some initial observations and thoughts about each one because obviously I have been observing my family for ages, right? So I'm just going to jump right in in case one of these environments are yours so that you can see how it might be reflected in your day-to-day life. Fun, right? (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to dive in first into my environment. So I am a Shores environment. And a Shores environment is kind of just how it sounds. It is this place where you feel most comfortable, where you are maybe next to a beach or maybe next to a river or maybe next to some kind of um, shoreline in the urban setting. Like maybe you are walking on the sidewalk of a busy street. Maybe you are um, living on the edge of a city and you can look in. Maybe you are sitting in a cafe or restaurant and you sit by the window seat and you were looking out at the hustling, bustling traffic. It's almost this feeling of um, observing, but also 
it, it feels almost voyeuristic, but it's not as creepy sounding. But it is kind of sitting there and like just looking out and just taking in the entire view of the setting around you. And I know for myself, I've known for a couple of years that I am an artificial shores and you will know that by looking at your arrows which direction they point and if you're interested in that a really great book that I recently picked up called A Modern Guide to Human Design by Rachel Lieberman she wrote this and she didn't really go into how one determines your variables but she does break it down into okay this arrow means this and if this is your environment if your arrow is pointing this way it means that and if it's pointing the other way it means that so if you want to dive in it was really kind of like sticking together a jigsaw puzzle for all of this but totally worth it in the end so for me I'm an artificial shores So I don't necessarily have to be by a body of water. I don't have to live on this thing. I have to to recreate it in some way. And I've noticed this very much about myself. So when I am flying, for instance, of course, nobody likes the middle seat, but a lot of people prefer the window seat. But for an artificial shores... A window or aisle works for me, and I actually prefer the aisle seat because I kind of like to view up and down the aisle and see what is happening, see who is coming down the aisle, who's sticking their legs out of the aisle. I like to be able to look and around and see what's going on. When I am in a restaurant, I kind of like to be on the edge of the restaurant. I can be by a window seat. That's super great and everything, but I like to be on the edge of the restaurant so I can kind of take in the full view. I've noticed in the last maybe 10 years or so that one of my favorite things to do is to go outside and walk around in my driveway. I like to walk back and forth up and down my driveway because I am kind of walking in this space between my home, which is very comfortable for me, and then the outside world. And so I can kind of see what's going on in in the distance. I can see who's coming up and down the street. I can keep an eye on my home. And it just feels really good to pace back and forth up the driveway. And it feels very calming and centering and very meditative for me. When I am in my home, um, I do really enjoy windows. I like to look out at the landscape. I like to look out at the mountains. It feels very it feels very nice to be in the comfort of my home, but look out and see just like vast vast space before me. Um I also really enjoy being in spaces in my home where I can see other things. And so I do have I have an open space main floor where my kitchen flows into my living room and I can, you know, see upstairs a little bit. And that's kind of where I like to sit. I like to sit in my kitchen with my back to like the garage space. And I like to be able to view out in everything. And so as I'm moving into this wintry season, I'm trying to think of places in my home where I can cozy up with a good book or with a journal and just kind of look out around me and see different vantage points. So I want to be able to see out the window. Maybe I want to be able to see in the door to see who's coming in. 
maybe I want to see where my kids are coming up from the downstairs. And that's what I want ideal situation for a shores. So if that is your environment, that's kind of what you're looking for. Now, my husband is a mountains environment, which I think is super, super interesting because when I read that, I said, oh, of course, that's him. Duh. Absolutely. And so mountains is, it's kind of climbing up on top of something, a peak or a level or um, I guess the stairway and looking out and um, seeing everything. My husband definitely has a very interesting approach to life because he is a natural problem solver. And so he steps back, takes the problem, and he looks at like every possible scenario that could come about in the world. (laughs) And he kind of starts, you know, eliminating them down to the ones that may or may not happen. And that is because he has this mountain point of view where he can kind of really almost remove himself from the emotional portion of a problem and just kind of look at it very logically, but also because he's removed himself from other people's emotions and other people's thoughts on the situation, he can really tune into his own authority, which is an emotional authority. And so he is in his perfect environment already in our home. He is on the top level. He is looking out a window at his desk. He stands up because I think that also helps with his uh, viewpoint, like having him in a standing position at his desk. He stands while he's working and then right off to the side, he looks out at um, the mountain range that is further away, but also like over our driveway. So he always has this like very eagle-like approach and he can like kind of see anyone who's coming in down the street or coming into our driveway or our neighbors doing that but then when he's at work he can he's standing up and he is kind of like observing out over all of the situations and all of the uh, problems and everything that comes out at his job and we also have a like a captain's walk I think it's called um, on our upper level And it looks out over these big glass windows outside. And when he is thinking or meditating, he'll pace back and forth across that captain's walk. And it just gives him this like overall view. And so his, his environment is kind of really spot on for us in our particular home. But I thought that was so funny when I looked at it. I was like, of course you're a mountains type. So that is perfect for him. Now, my oldest son, um, I I don't think I've ever used their names, but I'll call him D. My oldest son, D, is a... 3-5 3-5 projector, emotional projector, and his in, his ideal environment is a valley environment. And it's really interesting because this is not something that I have not in I've not really tried to work with them in trying to find their ideal environment because 
they don't really understand that at nine and ten like you know they're just kind of like going with the flow and doing whatever but I have noticed for him that he naturally does gravitate to the open spaces in our house so he he has a nice small room that he likes to you know he obviously sleeps in and he reads and everything but if given the choice he is going to choose the area in the house that has the most open space and he is going to bring all of his stuff down there and like camp out so that he can kind of see everything around him that's what valleys when you think of a valley you think of this nice like little area that has been kind of closed off naturally by maybe hills or something around it and it just feels like this nice little safe space where you can see everything around you you probably imagine a nice little community that has been built up in this valley with a lot of people hustling and bustling around and they they kind of just they they know each other it's very comfortable it's very nice and they're just kind of like at the center of everything and that feels very much like D. He feels like he kind of wants to always know what's going on. He wants to not necessarily contribute, but he is definitely one who wants to see what's going on. He likes to observe people. He likes to communicate with people. He definitely appreciates more communicating one-on-one or in small groups as opposed to... um, like big classrooms. It's actually one of the reasons that we pulled our boys out to homeschool is because he was getting, both of them were, but he especially was getting very overwhelmed having the large group because he's a projector. And so he was, he was like pulling in all of this very, um, well, frantic energy because that's what kids do. And he was just kind of holding it holding it in and it was just really disruptive for him so his ideal learning environment is in a one-on-one situation or in a small group situation um in a valley valley people really like to be able to access information which is really interesting because i've noticed um that in the mornings he asks alexa every single morning like hey, what's the temperature going to (laughs) be? And he likes to plan his day through information. He really enjoys reading. He really enjoys um, learning board games. He likes to learn a lot of things and he does absorb things through different, like actual tangible sources of information. Just not like, he he does it through a a material-like situation. So he likes to read. He likes to learn things through video, through reading, but not necessarily through audio type situations. And then he really burns out when he's in a very, very large crowd. Or if you were in a, think about if you grew up in a little valley with your own little community and you felt super comfortable and then you went to a big city, how it would just feel so ridiculously overwhelming. I have noticed that 
that is the case for him as well. When we have gone out to like plays or big events or something, he he always tells me, he's like, I feel really sick and really nauseous and everything. And it's because the energy is so overwhelming to him. And I thought that it was just because he was a projector, but it's also actually because he is this valley person who really just needs small, close, contained communities, which is really nice. And so that is something that I'm going to be keeping in mind moving forward. You know, I might set him up like a little place to like a little reading corner that is right at the main level so he can kind of see everything that's happening around him and then interact with people who come in and out of this situation. I will definitely be keeping him away from large like co-ops or you know camps or anything that happens in that sense because he doesn't really enjoy that at all and I'm gonna try to find him more personalized instruction that, you know, he can really just like interact one-on-one with tutors or teachers or groups or other kids and stuff. So that's Valley's environment. Now, my youngest, L, he is a kitchen's environment, which I think is very, very interesting because um, it, it completely makes sense for him. So a kitchen's environment is... I think of kitchens as this very central place to the home where it's a natural gathering point and it revolves around food and comfort and love and um, community, but almost like more interpersonal relationships. It's a very it's a it's a very magnetic part of the home, right? Whenever you have parties or something you always notice that people gravitate towards the kitchens and my son is super magnetic he is very very charismatic and people naturally gravitate to him he is like a little magnet and he's a magnet for a lot of different things which you know could either be really great or you know not so hot sometimes but he also is a very he's a very loving kid not to say my oldest one isn't but my youngest is just he's always been very very cuddly he's always wanted hugs he's always wanted to like give kisses he wants to hold my hand still and he he just he really enjoys that touching that comforting feeling of just being close to the people that he likes and um want he wants that he wants that physical touch or energy like he wants to touch you he also I've also noticed and he's always been like this but this totally makes sense with a a kitchen thing because he likes to have that physical interaction with me he also likes to touch like everything in his environment like it's very very physical and tangible to him like he has to touch all the things and fidget with all the things all the time which kind of feels like a very a very kitcheny type thing too right because the kitchen is a very hands-on place in your home so that is really interesting to him for me for about him so when we are i've i've always made this a point for our family to have at least 
one meal together during the day. Usually two. We try to have lunch and dinner since we are homeschoolers, but um, we always have at least one. We always have dinner together. And that's a very important thing for kitchens, environment people as well. They need to have that almost consistent gathering space and gathering time around the table. Um, It just, because it, it kind of gives this, it gives them this home base setting of community. So, and it's not necessarily like community, more like family, I guess. It gives him this sense of like belonging. It gives him this sense of comfort. It gives him this sense of almost like grounding, like coming back every single night. This feels good for me being around my people. And so it's really going to be interesting to, um, I guess, try to help him understand that. I think that the kitchen's environment is actually very, um, it's a very fascinating environment type, but it's also very different, difficult to instill from the outside. I think that kitchen's people almost maybe need to understand how they are and then put themselves in that situation so that they can kind of foster that kitchen's environment because, for a lot, for me especially, I see the kitchen's environment as very almost chaotic and very like, oh, why why, why are you doing this? Why do you want to do this? Why are you touching that? Like, it's very, that's a very physical thing. And as a natural observer from the shores, it looks very chaotic from the outside to me. So this is an environment that I'm really going to have to kind of observe more and do some trial and error with. It's interesting because um, his aunt is also a kitchen's environment. So I'm going to have to like talk to her as well and, you know, get her thoughts on this process in this environmental situation to see if I can kind of help him recognize that and foster that and nurture that for himself as he gets older. Because I think that even though even though the environments in human design, I feel like they're kind of starting to be more talked about and people are becoming a little bit more aware of them. But because they are not something that you can just look at your chart and look up necessarily, you have to find actually somebody who is going to say, okay, this is the kind of environment you are. I think it's still not quite as easy to access, I guess, as it should be. So but I do think that just knowing these like little bitty aspects of yourself can really make a big difference because, you know, your environment is such a huge aspect of our lives. And we, you know, sometimes we just, we kind of know what feels comfortable for us, but we don't know why. But I think for me anyway, when I understood why I really was the way I was. Like, for example, Shore's environment really like to watch movies. They really enjoy books. They really enjoy like getting immersed in like video games and stuff. I thought, why why was I like this? Am I just a big escapist? Do I just not want to deal with reality? But no, it was because I was a Shore's environment. And I really like to peek in at 
a story from the outside and kind of really just observe the interactions. And it's a really important way for me to learn. I learn a lot by observing other people and I pull a lot in from like movies or books I've read over the years. I think, oh, that that character did that and it resulted in this. How would I do that? What would the different result be? And it, it was just a big learning experience for me. And I, I think that knowing this about ourselves and even knowing this about our family could really be, it could be a, a huge benefit for everyone because knowing how our energy interacts with others is great, but knowing how our energy is best suited when we are in our ideal environment. It just feels good. It just feels good. And there's just nothing nothing else to say about it, okay? So that's what I wanted to talk about today is environments. If you are interested in this, I do think that it's becoming easier to find out what your environment type is. Definitely go to humandesignblueprint.com and you know pull up all that and you can figure out what all of your... Uh, variables are and then you can start looking them up and just play around with it because I think that incorporating and integrating the variables into our lives can really be a huge way to align ourselves more properly because it, it almost makes us aware of what we are naturally doing anyway and then just like subconsciously like tunes our body into like even do it more than we were and then just kind of quickly deprogram all those things that we thought we should do when we realize like, oh, this is this is why I am the way I am and this is just how it is and awesome. Now I know that I'm going to move on with my life. So if this is something that you're interested in, please let me know. I would love to dive more into these variables. I think they're super fascinating and I love Uh, looking at it from my perspective, but then also looking at it from the perspectives of other people I know, because uh, we're all so different. And it's just it's fascinating how we are all just like mixed in this world together. That's all I have for you today. And I will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. All show notes can be found at www.kristysturdivant.com. That's www.kristysturdivant.com. You can find me on Instagram at universallaws.kristysturdivant and on Facebook at universallawswithkristysturdivant. Until next time, flow with the energy, don't fight it.